Hello, and welcome to Parlay, the podcast where we talk about the things we forget to talk about. I'm your host, Vernay Smith, and today we're going to explore living on the autism spectrum with my brother, photographer Joseph Smith. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported in 2018 that 1 in 59 children in the U.S. are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. But I have to say, it's hard for me to see autism as a disorder or disease after growing up with my brother. Doesn't seem like a fair assessment for those I've known on the spectrum. Before we talk to my brother, let's take a moment and better understand what autism is and how it works. My brother's friend, Lou Randall, the executive director of Autism Connection of Pennsylvania, frames it up for us. People with autism have different kinds of brains, and we know this from imaging from the National Institutes of Health and other places around the world that do that kind of research. What they find is that people with autism have a different genetic plan for their brains. This means that they don't prune off the extra nerve endings and the extra nerve cells that transmit information across different areas of the brain and that connect their brain together between different departments. So this can result in things like having a hard time finding a word, putting the word into a sentence, and then getting that word out through the oral motor or through writing or typing, because that is a lot of different nerve connections. And if there are too many nerve endings, this creates kind of a traffic jam. So I see this as an analogy of people without autism having nerve connections that sort of look like chains of hot dogs. They're relatively uniform in size and shape, and so they transmit information, one nerve cell to the next nerve cell to the next nerve cell, kind of in an orderly fashion, and they're all lined up. And when we look at pictures of people's brain cells who have autism, they look more like Rice Krispies or even Rice Krispie treats. They can be teeny tiny little pieces or larger kind of stuck together nerve cells, and these transmit information just differently, and there are more chains of these. So if you had lots of chains of sort of like Rice Krispies crowded together, that does a couple of things. One is that the nerve cell chains can touch each other and cause a lot of confusion neurologically. And the next thing is that they kind of squish together the barriers in the brain and cause like a leaky shower curtain, like information can kind of cascade throughout the brain in a kind of random fashion that causes confusion in how we hear, see, taste, touch, feel, smell things, all the senses, including pressure and including the sense of balance. So this makes processing the world really difficult depending on how much crowding you have in your brain. All right, everyone. Now I am joined by my brother, who is a photographer and also an adult on the autism spectrum. So everyone, I want you to welcome um, my brother, Joseph Smith. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Pretty good. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you doing this uh, with us. So Joe's going to... Joe's going to tell us a little bit about what it's like to be an adult on the autism spectrum. So Joe, when did you first realize or when did you first learn that you had autism? I first learned that I had autism was when it's back in this early 2003 when I found a big sheet of ice during a Boy Scout camping trip. Oh yeah? It was during, yes. It was during a doctor's appointment that I learned I had autism and I was like cool and went about my business. 
Okay, so it wasn't, um, was it a huge surprise or was it, what did what did you feel like when you when you first learned that? It was like a little bit of a surprise. I was like, cool. Okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't let that stop me and stuff and I just moved on. I, I was diagnosed with autism at age three and I didn't learn about it until I was age 15. So it's all good. Okay. So you were just sort of living your life, living yes. your best life until yes. you knew that you found it, but that didn't change you living your life. No, it right? did not. Heck no. Okay. So what's different about being a kid with autism versus being an adult with autism? That's a very good question because I like to iterate this. The things that are different now than when I was a kid was you were shielded from the ugliness of the world. You had not a care in the world. Now, when we reach adulthood, you have to worry about being aware of your surroundings, which is which should have happened before school and college and not after the fact. We live in scary times due to violence in the country and across the city. People are rude and disconnected from each other. We need to be taught to be responsible for our words that come out of our mouths. Yeah, so being, uh, it's not different being an adult on the autism spectrum than being what's called neurotypical. Could you tell me what neurotypical means? And Neuro then talk, we'll talk about those differences. Neurotypical is when people ha are not without autism are without autism okay and so that's a that's a way of saying um that's a better way of saying someone who's not autistic versus saying people tend to say things like normal and that's not really nah, that's not really fair is it not really because people with autism are normal yeah, what, what the heck is normal anyway right what's normal so in in um in circles that talk about autism spectrum, we say neurotypical to mean someone who doesn't have autism. But it sounds like what you're saying is that when you're on the spectrum or not, being adult is just different than being a kid. Yes. Do you notice um, as far as like your resources are different from being a kid with autism versus an adult with autism? Like the programs that you go through, how do those differ from when you were a kid? Well, how they differ was that you had teacher's aid to help you out in elementary school. I had two teacher's aides. Okay. And elementary through high school. Then when I go to college, I was kind of on my own, but I was able to adapt well. I was able to get work done early. I was able to talk to my, like have parlays with my professors. Okay, great. And talk about different things. I was able to ask different questions and stuff. I was able to ask questions that are required for my work and I was able to get things done. Okay, so you had to sort of self-advocate more as an adult than a child. Like you had to take more initiative on your own, right? Correct, yes. And I'm still taking self-advocacy now because when I was off my foot for seven months, mm -hmm. I decided to come back to work the, the last week of August, which is tomorrow, mm -hmm. because I wanted to get things done. I wanted to just enjoy enjoy the time off my feet and stuff and recovering brought me back a new perspective great so it sounds like that you know you having an aid when you were younger sort of set you up for success exactly going into um college and to your adult life and so sometimes that extra support that we get is that you got as a kid really put you in a place where you were able to be self-empowered does that sound right that sounds correct exactly because teachers aids can help people out help them realize their potential and stuff because there's nothing wrong with having a teacher's aid because we we sure as heck need them right now and stuff because there's kids in the wrong directions that are different things which brings us to the next question mm -hmm. okay. about why yeah. people get wrong about autism yeah so what do people get wrong about autism? okay the things that people get wrong about autism is that they can't be their own self-advocates and they are dense which is not true that is why that is that that is why there are so much that why there is so much stigma when it comes to autism there are parents that make kids use make their kids use autism as an excuse not to accomplish anything or to get away 
with misbehavior, people with autism are more than, than capable of making independent decisions and using executive functioning to navigate the surroundings of their environment. That's very true. And I've, I, you know, I used to teach um, in a charter school system, I used to teach musical theater, and I would sometimes see kids sort of lean on their autism a little bit. You know, when Ooh. something would go wrong, I would hear, but I'm autistic. And I, I'd think about you, Joe, and think, well, that's, that's not an excuse. It just means that you have other abilities, almost like superpowers to a certain extent. Exactly. Right? Like, there are certain things that... Um, about autism that are really kind of awesome. Can you talk about that? Like, what's really awesome about autism? The things that are awesome about autism is, is that you can do anything that you put your mind to and you have the ability to be creative. You can be, show compassion and benevolence. Absolutely. And, and that's also, sort of like your main thing, right? Yes. Like being a benevolent human being. For our listeners who don't know what that word means, can you tell us what that means? Benevolence means kind. I've been using that word since taking an advanced reading class at CCAC and then winter of 07. Thank you, Marie Golio, and, the teacher. Okay, thank you, Marie. And so that that's a word that really spoke to you. Why, why is benevolence so important to you in the world that we live in today? Because people are negative and malevolent to each other and stuff. They're always, they always have a sour attitude. But being benevolent means you spread joy and, every, and happiness everywhere you go. Like, being benevolent is cool. I, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Being benevolent is cool. We need to spread joy and happiness to one another and understand that just because someone has different abilities doesn't mean that they're disabled per se, right? Nope. That we can be um, we can be whoever we want to be with whatever uh, deck we're, de we're dealt, right? Exactly. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I think you bring a great perspective on autism and um you know we're gonna let everybody know about your photography website because that's something that you really love photography is the lens literally the lens through which you see the world and it's exactly. so unique and special um any any parting thoughts for our listeners well parting thoughts is people on the spectrum don't don't let the world bring you down because of negativity be be kind be compassionate and be awesome and it's it's okay to it's okay it's okay to admit that you have autism it's okay to admit to your mistakes it's okay to admit you have feelings you just have to learn how to navigate them in the appropriate and be yourself guys and girls love it thank you so much joe thank you for having me friends thank you so much for joining me i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did Perhaps we'll all see so-called disabilities a little differently from now on. For more information about the autism spectrum and support resources, please visit Autism Connection of Pennsylvania at autismofpa.org. Look for the link in the description as well as my brother's photography website. So the word on the street is that I need to do an episode about mean girls in the workplace. Are any of you experiencing this? Is a Regina George wannabe and her cronies making your work life hellish? If so, I want to hear about it. Send me an email or voice memo to parlaypodcast at gmail.com and tell me about your past or present mean girl experience. Aliases and names to protect the innocent or the guilty are just fine. We got to keep that day job, right? So until next time, friends, keep talking about it. <laughs>